Welcome to the Anxiety Specialist Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. And today we're going to be talking about values. And we're going to talk about why knowing what your values are is important for the anxiety journey specifically. And then we're going to go into what Michael and I have discovered our values are to give you a bit of an example of what understanding your own values and living into your values might look like. I just want to give credit to Brené Brown because this is based and inspired by her podcast on values, which we'll put a link to in the show notes, as well as a link to her an amazing worksheet to go through and figure out what your values are. It starts off with a huge list of different values that you can pick and choose from, and then you narrow it down to about 15 and then narrow it down to two. And the reason you do this, and I really love how Brené Brown talks about this, is she's done so many interviews and what she's found is that the people who have are living really well they know what their values are but they only really have one maybe maximum two values that they're really living to and all those values out of the 15 you first choose you're looking for the ones that basically everything else can stack under and it's been really interesting so we're going to get into for what that is for Michael and I But first, I really want to have a chat about why values are important for anxiety, why we need to talk about this, because I think most people are like, just get me the strategies to be able to deal with my anxiety. (laughs) I don't care about this value stuff. I just don't want to be anxious anymore, which is completely understandable. That's Mm. where Mm. people start, isn't it, Michael? That's where you start, yeah. Yeah, typically. (laughs) (laughs) You don't generally have people coming into their first session going, I want to figure out what my values are. Very occasionally. It depends where people are on their anxiety journey. Yeah. But what's the usual? The usual is I want this feeling gone. (laughs) I'm really anxious. (laughs) I want to be not anxious. Yeah. So we talk about the anxiety journey and there's different levels. And the first level is really being the distress. In the area where you're not really thinking about doing anything about it, you're just feeling really anxious and really stressed about that. And then you move into that desire zone. And I think actually there's an internal subconscious understanding you're not living to your values not doing what's important to you that triggers you that shift from being the distressed to the decider but then it's understandable that the first thing people want to do is manage that anxiety and get that level of anxiety down and we usually do focus on that first but the next stage after that the management stage which we call the regulator the next stage is the challenger and the thing is with challenging anxiety I feel that is where values come into their own because you need a reason. <laughs> you do. You do. It's so, hard stuff. Hard work. Very valuable work and, and dramatic for improving anxiety and somewhat permanently as well, but challenging work. Yeah. It's called the challenges for, <laughs> for a reason and you need to know why you're doing it. I thought that was because you're challenging anxiety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that you're challenging anxiety and it's challenging to challenge anxiety. And so... Understanding what's important to you can give you that extra boost to do the work that's hard because challenging anxiety is really counterintuitive. It's not what your anxiety wants you to do. It Mm -hmm. wants you to run screaming in the other direction. And challenging anxiety is walking towards the thing you're scared of. It's really important that you have a deeper motivation to do that than just self-protection. But understandably, you need to reduce down the anxiety to get beyond that natural impulse. Mm -hmm. And so Get it down to a certain level where that's then a bit more feasible. Yeah. So we teach a lot about values in the later parts of our process, but we're going to go into that today based on this Bruno Brown worksheet. And I'm really excited to talk to you about this. Like I'm like really (laughs) pumped and you'll understand why in a second, because this podcast is really in line with my values. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to jump in and say my two top values, connection and growth. And so this is an opportunity for Michael and I to talk about and connect and well, and you, you get to connect with the audience as well. Yes, exactly. So, and I get to connect with you guys about this stuff. So, I am absolutely pumped to be doing this. Um, I'm very excited. And do you want to share what your two are? And I love what your two are. <laughs> and can I just say first that that whole narrowing it down to two is awesome. In the past, mm. when I've done values based worksheets and things, it's been. 10 values or six values or five values. Mm. And that makes it easier in terms of narrowing down because you don't need to narrow it down as far. But Brené Brown's completely right in that, I mean, hers is based on interviewing people who have really wholehearted and fulfilling lives and they either have one or two values in mind. And I just so can identify with that. I mean, when you try and make a decision, you're like, right, hold the six values in mind. <laughs> what were they again? What was the last two? Seriously, uh, <laughs> you can only generally remember two anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's hard enough to kind of keep two in mind when making a decision. And so she's right that that's a good maximum, maximum two that you can then focus on and then you can really live by them. And that's really cool. So I was actually surprised. I guess I have done a number of these exercises before, but I was surprised at how, well, both of us were able to just come up with the two that fitted with us. We hadn't even been through the worksheet yet. We were just talking yeah. about it. I think the thing is, though, we've done a lot of growth and connection. <laughs> growth and connection together. Uh, uh, been living way more in, in alignment with my values more recently. And I think we've had better insight. Also, we're coming up 10 years of being married. So mm. we've been around each other for long enough. We've run a business together for a very long time now. <laughs> and I think we knew each other well and we didn't come up with it alone. Actually, we came up with it together. I think it was that collaboration. And then also once we came up with them, that also we could acknowledge the other person's one. and sort It was of go, fun being able to share and yeah. have the other person understand us. Yeah, mm. and I think I guessed your second one after you'd said your first one. And then I kind of clarified on it. So you say your first one. My value number one is freedom. Yeah, it's totally true. <laughs> Yes, yeah. but it's in a slightly different way. Like I'd potentially even call it independence, but that's not quite right. Mm. Freedom probably gels the best, but it's not like freedom as in like freedom to do whatever whim I feel at any one single moment and freedom to not have a routine and be spontaneous. <laughs> and I mean, anyone who knows me is like, no, that doesn't that's sound like totally Michael. Totally not Michael. It's more like freedom to pursue kind of longer term goals or projects or things that I'm passionate about. It's not things from minute to minute or hour to hour. So think of it like that would be the best way for me to explain it. And then it was when he said that, I was like, and because you almost feel like a contradiction, your other one sounded like it would be commitment. Yeah. So commitment or integrity, that kind of thing. But commitment probably works the best as a word to define it because it's about committing to and progressing towards the freedom as I define it. Yeah. So it's really interesting with Michael, if you don't know him as well as I do, is when he wants the freedom to be able to make a choice to do something, but then when he decides to do that, come hell or high water, that's what Michael's <laughs> going to do potentially for the rest of his life. And it's not stubbornness, it's commitment. <laughs> of course it is. Yes, it is. It totally is. And it's interesting because I talk with a friend about relationship and about trusting your partner. And... I think before I fully understood you, mm. the idea of your desire for freedom could mm. be scary. Could be like, what if he suddenly decides he wants to do something different? 
but understanding Michael's insane commitment, not insane, but just like, (laughs) it's that next level commitment. Like it has been decided that it's like, I think it's that some of our mentors talk about like something has already happened and it's that committing to that thing, even if it's not reality right now, but committing has already happened. Mm. And I think you live that like, to do the thing you need to do to have the thing you want, you do it. That A lot of people start the other way around. They're like, I want this thing, and before I need to have that before I can do the thing that to be the person. Before I can feel a certain way or be the person that would have the thing, then you're already in that reality and getting to enjoy it, but also you're much more likely to be able to engage in the things that get you there. Yeah, so it's almost like this freedom for you to lock in who the person you are going to be is. That's a good way of looking at it. And when you do that, that commitment blows my mind. And it's really powerful to have a partner that committed to your relationship as well. When we were dating, you were deciding whether you were going to commit like that. But once we got married, that was like the commitment. Mm -hmm. It's been impressive. (laughs) And it's really cool, us, our family, the things we do. I've been able to develop this confidence that if Michael decides something, and jumps into his freedom to forge a path, it's going to happen. It feels like it becomes an inevitability, and it may not look exactly how we envision it to start with, but something along that line will happen. Mm, yeah, it's well, really exciting it the case. to live that yeah. life. Yeah. I've got to a point where I really appreciate that. Yeah, and rely on it. Yeah, mm. and I think it's really interesting how our values mesh, because mm. I'm about... <laughs> growth and connection Mm. and so what I found and learned in our relationships for us to have the most harmony Mm. and to really both be most in line with our values is for me to jump on your train Mm. (laughs) basically Mm. and grow in it it's gonna force you to just grow (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh we're gonna talk about that soon (laughs) but yes it forces me to grow and also when I jump on the train I get to connect with Michael Mm. in a really deep way long term that becomes really meaningful for both of us which is really cool so Mm. I'm really glad that we have that and it's interesting because I think there's been times where our values haven't meshed well and I feel like we're getting to a place in our relationship where they are really values do you think it's our values that didn't mesh or um, not living in the values it's not like we had different values and they changed yeah no yeah (laughs) I feel like I need to take some ownership here, which is part of my growth thing, (laughs) is that when I'm out of alignment with my growth value, then often I will prevent Michael from doing his freedom commitment thing because I don't want to grow. And I know if he commits to something, that's going to involve growth for me as well. And I think I can very easily, when I'm out of alignment, really mess with your values in terms of resisting you doing those things and making your life miserable. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I'm getting way yeah, better. Way better, <laughs> way better. And most of the time now, mm. it's I'm more supportive than unhelpful. But so that's part of the growth. That's what happens. You know, as you grow, you yeah. get better and better at things. It is. Yeah. All right. So we're mm. going to talk through what are some behaviours that support our values. So you're me. just going to talk about that growth value, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to cover my growth value. I think the connection one's really interesting for me. Connection is more than just connection with people. It's connection with the whole world. It's like connection between people. It's connection between us and the environment. It's connection between our actions and how the flow on effects. Like it's way bigger than just having 
a talk with somebody. And I think it's interesting because I feel like growth and connection underpin my faith and that my faith is the belief that everything is connected and that growth, when the world is at its best, it's when it's growing and when it's mm. not growing, then it's dying. It's like you're applying your values template to the whole world. I am. <laughs> and I'm learning that not everyone has my values. So not everyone sees the world like this, but that's spirituality and faith to me, which well, I find really interesting. That, that also makes sense from see the world. personality testing. Myers-Briggs, uh, you're in, so the big picture. So it makes mm. sense that your brain had uh, expand that out to look at it in that bigger, mm. wider sense of how your values apply. But with my interconnected and growth, my mm. growth is seeing that not everyone believes that the world is about interconnection <laughs> and growth. And mm-hmm. also that because everyone has different values, that's good because we're all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so we can value more than just one things. Mm. We can only focus on one or two important things per person. But when we've got billions of people, the more people who can be living into their values, the more value we add to the world and it's diverse value because people value such different things as well Mm. there can be more freedom in the world there can be more commitment there can be more growth and connection and all the other values yeah well imagine billions of people feeling more fulfilled in their life because they're following their values that would be amazing (laughs) that'd be really awesome and i think this is really important to do so for me what supports my value of growth is taking action I need to step out and do things to grow. Like you do not grow when you're stationary. Mm. Growth involves movement. Mm -hmm. And focusing on the journey. So really focusing on the steps one after another, Mm. kind of the progress. Mm -hmm. And very much instead of focusing on a destination or having to be a certain way. Mm. It's about journey and improvement and growth rather than an end goal and that comes into my slippery behaviors and i've been getting really good at leaning into pain Mm -hmm. and discomfort and cold but um yeah that is me if i'm taking action and i'm focusing on the journey then i'm in alignment with my value of growth so i've been challenged to talk about my freedom value rather than the commitment (laughs) one i was like oh can i talk about the commitment that one's way easier i mean you know it's kind of self-explanatory but explaining the freedom ones, like, oh, I don't want to have to try and explain yeah. this one, come up with how this one is applied in my life. But um, okay, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it with you guys. So one or two behaviors that support my value of freedom. What I can think of there is that cooling my thinking mind. That's all like analyzing and thinking about things, and instead taking a moment and checking in with my intuitive side and it's less verbal less thinky 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 it's more my feelings my passions my needs checking Mm. in with those so that there can then be fulfilling Mm. of those instead of just thinking about things and maybe like oh get really excited about watching a series on netflix or playing a game or something and it's like well maybe that's not actually what my body or my mind needs maybe there's actually something else that if i took a second, called my jets and checked in that actually there'd be something that'd be really fulfilling to spend that hour on. It's interesting when you use the word needs Mm. because I know you've struggled with identifying needs in the Mm. past. Yes. 
And I'm like, what do you need? That's a want and that's a want. This is a want. I mean, air, you know, it's a need after a certain amount of time, but I could probably go without air for like a minute, you know? (laughs) There was something about you that you find it really challenging to put forward something about you that is a need Hmm. rather than just something you like, which is optional. Well, that's probably my thinking side, right? So it's going like, except with air, or you could go with food. Well, it's only a need after like three days of starving, right? And then, then it's a need, right? Um, but until then, it's a want, you know, I want food, I am hungry. So it's just my thinking mind getting in the way and making it all detailed and convoluted. When actually, if you don't overthink that, then you could be like, okay, food is a need. You get hungry, that's your body and your brain saying, hey, um, we're running low could do with some more nutrients thank you very much and then there are of course also psychological and emotional needs and and that kind of thing as well to be underestimated at all so that struggle would just be when exactly what i was talking about i let my thinking mind Mm, take up too much of my time and space yeah so it's quieting and taking a moment Mm. to checking in with another part of myself Mm, that's really cool which we don't tend to value in western society (laughs) it's trained out of us often do we take a moment to just still ourselves Mm. that's something like that i'd really working on in fact we double down on that in modern society where it almost feels like we're wasting time if we're not doing at least two things at once (laughs) yeah just the constant distraction Mm. which i think that distraction really makes it difficult for us to in tune with ourselves Mm. Almost feels like you can't even go to the toilet without doing something else useful (laughs) at the same time. Or even just something else entertaining. Like, you've got to be doing something else at all times. I love that. I'm going to the toilet. Are you taking your phone? I might be taking my phone. (laughs) Well, it's like podcasts while you're cycling to work and, you know, doing something while you're eating and toileting and all sorts. Yeah, we've got quite a busy, stay thinking, stay Mm. doing stuff. Which is one Mm. of the things I've loved about the cold exposure, which I'll talk Mm. more about in a minute. But... When I go into the sea and I walk in the sea, it's been a rehab thing for me, but going into the sea, I can't take my phone with me. Yeah. And well, it, we better not get you a waterproof case then. No, that would be <laughs> terrible. No. So I just don't go with phone. But being out away from everything, just walking, especially when I do it by myself, there's something about being in a body of water, grounding in a body of water, being away from all of that, to mm. be able to connect in mm. and to just have a moment mm. away mm. from everything. It's been really amazing. Yeah. So, and the cold really helps you focus on what's going on right mm-hmm. now. It's mm-hmm. really, it's like, yep. oh my gosh, intense yep. sensation. I can totally get all that from when I've joined you in that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So what was your other one? Yep. So the other one, a behavior that helps support the freedom is, interestingly enough, restricting Right. Mm. So restricting down my options to be able to succeed in a few. So (laughs) I love how you're just full of what feels like contradictions. (laughs) I'm about freedom and what supports my freedom is restriction. (laughs) It's like, Uh what? Yeah, but yeah. I've noticed for a long time, like right into my childhood, that holidays that were the most relaxing were the most restricted. So when we went on holidays where we'd go somewhere and we'd go to the information center where they have all the brochures and it'd be like, okay, we're going to do this activity and this activity and this activity and this activity and this one. And we're going to do like three a day and stuff. Well, it's all go, go, go. That was an exciting holiday, but not a relaxing holiday. Whereas my favorite holiday was camping trips by the beach 
where it was like you've basically got quietly reading a book in the shade because it's summer or going to the beach and jumping in the surfboarding, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it was really restricted down in terms of the activities, but it takes a day to get used to it. But then you really relax into that, or I did. And I've heard from other people similar kinds of stories where they'll go somewhere that has no cell phone reception or something like that, right? You get restricted away from a whole bunch of activities. And rather than being at home where it's like, oh, I could do so many different things. What do I do? And it's hard to enjoy any one thing, focus on any one thing. When it's restricted down, then I can be fully focused. And that gives two things. It gives Mm. engagement in that where I'm able to fully experience it or find it really fulfilling because taking up all my mind and I'm not distracted. Could you say you're fully committing to it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's bringing in my other value. What a surprise. (laughs) They kind of go hand in hand. But that interweave is is actually quite good for Mm. those kinds of values. The other thing, as well as more enjoyment is also more success, more progression. Because Mm. if I say I really need to get something done or like I need to write out an email or something, if I restrict myself down and fully focused on that, I'm going to be able to get that out more effectively and faster. And restricting down also leads to more progress for me towards my freedom goals. Can I just ask, with your needing to really intuit and sense Mm. what you're wanting to go for, with less restrictions, does it make it easier to focus, to sense it out? Less restrictions? Well, no, no, when you have restriction Mm. and that you have less things to intuit, is that easier? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it stops a complication that I'll explain later where my mind will get going and then it'll stop me from getting anywhere. Yeah. If, if there's an overwhelming number of options. Very cool. Second question <laughs> is what are two slippery behaviors that are outside your values? So procrastination is definitely outside my value of growth mm. because when I procrastinate and it's around the fear of failing, like I'm scared I'll fail and so I delay trying. And it's this is an interesting thing because this mm. just comes up with our clients or with anxiety It's that kind of putting things off and not trying it when you have the time until there's not really enough time and then getting it done. And then you can kind of almost blame the failure on not having enough time. Oh, right. You mean like when there's a deadline, like a study deadline or a work deadline. And and at first, the anxiety gets you to avoid the whole thing, the whole shebang, right? Because (laughs) you can't get it wrong. If you don't do anything with it, then you're not doing it wrong. But you get to a certain point and that switches because the greatest threat is not having anything and getting in trouble or or failing. And so failure comes through not doing anything. At that point, you then have the anxiety helping you to focus on it. But often Mm. that's kind of a last minute scramble. And that's the phenomenon known as procrastination. This is really interesting because it reminds me of university and I did struggle at times with procrastination with university. I think that's probably not a unique experience. (laughs) No. But there was one assignment I remember doing, which was an essay. And I usually wasn't great at essays. I'm dyslexic. Didn't know while I was at university I'm dyslexic. So understandably, essays were a real struggle. But this one I got on too early. And I sent drafts through to my tutor. And I actually got feedback and worked on it Mm. and developed it. I got an A plus for that essay. It was amazing. It's the best strategy for for getting... Well, not just a good grade, but getting good, satisfying work done. Mm. Um, But it's also the most challenging. 
you've got to overcome the internal struggle with procrastination with that identity risk of failure of not yeah. being good enough and also get feedback oh feedback from someone from the tutor it's all quite challenging yeah. but in practical terms mm. being able to get a draft done and get it into someone get feedback the person who's marking it usually and then work to that feedback you're guaranteed to get way better marks yeah the interesting thing is that my brain went to i got the a plus which I think is one of my slippery behaviors <laughs> is being the trying to be the end product now, mm. try, focusing on being having it all together. Mm. But actually, if I think about it, it's not the A plus that was really valuable about mm. that experience. Mm. It was actually the learning growth, the working through things. You would have gotten more growth out of it. Yeah, I got mm. a lot of growth out of that. Oh, and you had connection too with mm. the tutor. <laughs> I think actually it can be really unhelpful for me marking because it gives me a grade to aim for. Mm. Rather than focusing on growth, I'm aiming for getting the perfect grade. Are, are there people that marking is helpful for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, actually. It so easily gets connected to people's sense of identity. It's one of the reasons I think that there are such rife statistics around study that there are such great proportions of anxiety and depressed mood amongst students. So I'm interested in what two of your slippery behaviours are. Right, slippery behaviours. Yes. So one that I alluded to earlier is overanalyzing and wanting to explore every option, research it all, make sure that I know about every single option because one of them might be the option or I might be missing something or, you know, and my brain's like... And so... It wants to make sure that I have all of that. But then I end up outside both of my values, but especially the freedom value, because I'm not working towards that. I mean, it's kind of like it's akin to procrastination. I'm not moving towards something because I'm stalling, trying to make sure that I've got all the options. I'm researching it, probably haven't mm. missed anything, all of that. So that would be a key one. With that, I'm interested because mm. the internet provides us with so mm. much information. Yeah. How does that affect the researching when it's basically infinite the internet's felt smaller recently than it used to but yes it's still a lot of information on there and yeah i remember it kind of taking off since the internet really got bigger it still happened before that i remember as a child getting presented with the mcdonald's menu and it was like <laughs> oh mm, mm. but what if the mcdonald's menu was a million options yeah. Opposed to. I presume I would 20. then take longer. <laughs> <laughs> Is it helpful mm. to have so many options that you couldn't possibly research them all? Or does your brain just not collect mm. that that's the case? Well, it depends. I mean, that's, it's less about that and more about if I recognize what's going on, that I'm on the, to those slippery behaviors and then do something about it, which I could do whether there's five options or whether there's a million options. Mm. You could argue that with a million options, I might recognize it sooner, maybe, but I might just get caught in the trees or the, the wood for the trees or whatever. <laughs> caught amongst the pine needles. Ow, uh, uh. But once I do recognize that, then I can go, I can then restrict it down. I can apply one of those supporting yeah. behaviors and artificially be like, right, I'm going to cut that out and cut this out and I'm going to drop this down to this many and yeah. look at those and, or I'm going to give myself five minutes, go, or, you know, those kinds mm. of techniques to bring it back down to a manageable amount yeah that's good and there was another one yeah yeah 
So the other one I thought of is seeking approval for my decisions and then encountering doubters. It's an easy way to halt progress towards a freedom goal or moving in the direction of freedom value because by checking in and then having that doubt thrown my way, then what can throw me into that first slippery slope again, back into stalling and pausing and evaluating and um, all of that, but then I'm not moving toward anything. And is it really freedom if other people are dictating what you do and don't do based on their fear? No. But so easy Mm. to get caught up in what other people think and yeah and to ask them to validate ideas oh i could just check in with someone else i mean how am i going to know everything it makes sense to check in with someone else and the slippery slope but they might listen to their fear too i mean they don't want anything bad to happen to me or for me to fail for your (laughs) for that yeah absolutely and so it, it can easily curtail me getting that fulfilling living to my freedom life so there's a real challenge of freedom of having to take responsibility It's a high level of responsibility if your value is freedom. Oh, that's the word I was thinking of, decisiveness. Mm. That's something I've been working on for a long, long time, all the way from McDonald's menus. Actually, true story. There's a story of Michael, like, taking a very long time to just... Apparently used to annoy my grandfather. (laughs) Yeah. He must have been good at hiding it. I didn't notice. (laughs) But yes, I've been uh, working on it since those Mm. decision-making complaints. But that is taking responsibility and then diving in, going yeah. for it, is what then enables me to get past the uh, the slippery behaviors and get into fulfillment. It's interesting because that's also very similar for my growth. Like mm. I have to take responsibility. <laughs> if I'm blaming everyone else for my disappointments, for things going wrong, if things fail, things go wrong, like my brain just instantly wants to find somebody else at fault, but then it's not taking responsibility for my own growth and then I need to take action I need to just act there's probably some universals that are generally acknowledged Mm. as healthy psychological behaviors Um, like for example say your core value was fun right Mm. it'd still be really useful to take responsibility for Mm. engaging in your fun activities Mm. if you go oh everyone else isn't being fun right then you're probably not going to be able to live to your value a lot Well, I guess having values Mm -hmm. and being in line with your values is about taking responsibility for what's important to you Mm. and acting on it. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, you're not in alignment. Bingo. Mm, The deeper level. (laughs) Okay. So what's an example of a time when you were fully living into this value? I'm going to talk about cold exposure for this. So um, an area of growth I have done, and I actually have a YouTube video on this, which is my first kind of cold exposure stuff, which we'll put in the show notes that you can check out. But that was in summer going in the sea. And it's interesting because I've always been afraid of cold water. And I talk a bit more about a trauma event that was to do with that. But recently, actually, with the whole COVID stuff and not having the same sort of access to swimming pools, I ended up going into the sea. And I started before the summer. It was October, I think. And in New Zealand, that's kind of late winter early spring or mid spring mm. spring october that anyway october is well into spring oh well into spring anyway mid, it, it was still very cold and so i did cold exposure first i did some cold baths to start with before going but i really needed to because i was pregnant at the time if you didn't know we were pregnant had a baby we did that we weren't very um, we didn't talk about it much beforehand but yes my pregnancies i condition which causes intense pain and reduces my mobility and so part of that was I was walking in the sea to keep my mobility and to be able to walk 
so that I didn't have to go in a wheelchair. And it's been interesting doing that cold exposure, but it's been a real growth area for me, challenging my fear, doing longer exposure. And because I'm continuing to do it, actually, even after the birth, it's in starting to do cold showers. It's this growth of kind of like we're heading into autumn and it's going to get colder and colder. And it's been really cool to do progression of that. And it's been really exciting to see now when I go into the sea, I'm not screaming as much. <laughs> I used to scream a lot as I went into the cold water. Mm. And I had a shower today and I was able to stay calm mm. and with the cold icy water, which was really exciting. So it's been really cool to see growth and doing that sort of a growing exercise, which is really challenging me and putting me into discomfort and that sort of thing. The only element of it that I think it doesn't have at the moment is putting myself in line for failure. And I think I've done quite a lot of growth in terms of discomfort around that pain. I've been doing, I did a couple of dental surgeries without anesthetic and even the stitches after my birth without anesthetic. And it's been quite whoop, exciting. Whoop. Yeah, quite exciting to push myself in that area. It's not for everyone, I understand that, but I react really badly to medications. And so it's been using breathing and other ways of managing pain and that's been huge for growth for me, but I haven't been leaning into failure. And mm. I think that's a growing itch for me. Right. We'll find you some failure then. Allow myself to fail. <laughs> oh, allow yourself. Okay. Don't make me fail. <laughs> but when you don't fail, you like success isn't a great teacher. You don't mm. grow mm. as well when you get things right. Yeah. Well, you don't learn as much. Mm. So I need to get things wrong more. The lessons from Ooh. winning and success. <laughs> I want to do things right and I want to win. I want to be successful and I don't want to do the hard getting things wrong and looking stupid part. Ah. So what's an example of a time when you were living fully into your value? Yes. Well, Becky wanted me to bring up an yeah. example that, uh, your question, but that I brought her into it. It is an example. It's not necessarily the biggest example, but it was one that we had to lean into the relationship a bit. I decided that I wanted to try out long hair. You know, Jon Snow looked all awesome with his and stuff. And I was like, oh, I've got that kind of hair type. I'll try growing mine out. And also it seemed a good end to try and convince Becky that I could look like Jon Snow. You know, that, that was definitely a big part of the conversation. But I feel quite a bit embarrassed about this because shoe on the other foot if as a female, I'd said to Michael, I want to cut my hair short, and he'd been all like, I don't want you to cut your hair. I like your hair long, and don't cut your hair. That would have been awful and terrible, and I would be like, I can't believe this man. But my gosh, when Michael decided he wanted to grow his hair long, like, <laughs> I had a real issue with it. Mm. And I struggled with him growing his hair because I really liked it short, and I didn't want him to grow his hair. And... I struggled because I thought it was a very hypocritical of me not wanting him to do that when I felt like as a woman, I should be allowed to do those sort of things with my body. I think I feel like we get most angry and behave the worst when we know we are in the wrong. You came up with all sorts of reasons, like it'll affect the business. <laughs> You'll look really unprofessional on the YouTube no videos. No one will watch our YouTube videos if you grow your hair. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did say that. <laughs> oh. Well, your brain was trying to come up with any reason to try and um, make it not happen. 
it's different. Something terrible could happen. Well, you do have a thing where you struggle to recognize me when I change something about my parents. Yeah, that's an interesting thing with my just side note thing with my dyslexia is I find it hard to recognize faces when people change something. It's funny because I don't necessarily notice, but then I feel like I don't know who they are. So it's like I've had partners shave off moustaches and stuff and, and then me not even notice. But there's a part of me who's like, who is that? And a weird part of my dyslexia that doesn't do very well with holding change, mm, I think. Mm. And so it was like I was married to a stranger. Mm. It felt a bit like that. Because mm. you also grow a beard at the same time. Yes, like yes. You were so doing... I, I let that one go because that was going to be a bit too much for Becky with complete bearded stranger. Not my finest moment <laughs> telling Michael he couldn't be at the birth of his child <laughs> if he didn't shave off his beard. But the reason that I was leaning into that was because that was along the line of freedom in terms of being able to change a look, change mm. something about my aesthetic. And got a long history of trying out different hair styles and colours They'd all been short up until this point. I hadn't tried out um, uh, long hair, but uh, but I really wanted to try it. And so it was within my freedom to be able to pursue that. And then, of course, my other uh, value helped me uh, commit into it because you need a lot of commitment to grow hair out. It took a good couple of years to really get it the length I wanted. I like it now. I hmm. really do. We've adjusted to it now. Yeah. Now, if I cut it short, you'd be like, who are you? But it's the control. It's that mm. control mm. I talked about earlier. Mm. When I'm not growing... What happens is I go from focusing on myself and internal and growth and development. I flip that to external control of other people. You are the problem. You are at fault. It's because of you that everything's wrong. You need to change. I flip my growth into forcing other people to be different. And I'm in my best self when I'm working on myself, not trying to force change in other people. So when it comes to values... It's important to have support so that you are living into your values. And so who is someone that knows your values and supports your efforts to live into them? How about you start this time? Who's hmm. your person? Well, it's you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And like you said, you've gotten much better at managing your own slippery behaviors that think, would get in the way. I don't think I've always been that person. I think I've grown into that person. Yeah, but that's... Uh, that's kind of an all or nothing take on it, right? It's not like you were completely not that person. Like mm, you were true. completely unsupportive. It was just, there were certain areas where you were less and then became more as you've grown. That's actually something I need to work on <laughs> is really unkind to my past, not as grown self. I can do that with the growth. It's like I have this value of growth and when I'm in alignment with my growth, I grow a lot. And I develop and I change. And then I look back at like teenage me or early dating Michael me. And I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought like that and did that and was so ungrown. And having that self-compassion that it's okay that I wasn't where I am now. And it's okay that where I am now isn't where I'm going to be in a year and two years time mm. as well. I don't have to worry about that because early me was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Michael or at least I can hold that perspective. Always yeah. been awesome, will always continue to be awesome. It's my commitment to my freedom of being awesome. <laughs> but I'm really glad that I'm that person. Mm. Like, I think having your significant other being the person that is supporting you. And I love when you come to me with your new thing mm. and I'm like, go for it, love. Yeah, it's really fun now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, spend that money, do the thing. 
I'm coming too. And mm. I do find that when I jump on board. You get connection. I get connection mm. and I grow. Like mm. the things that you embark on when they're really in line with you, mm. who that growth areas. <laughs> like they are exciting mm. and they're freedom creating, not mm. just for you, but for me as mm. well. Mm. Like the things we do create freedom for me. Like mm. I don't have to work in a nine to five job mm. because you wanted to run a business and then I realized that I loved that business too and I wanted Mm. to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so getting on board with you has always been more valuable than standing in your way. Nice. And who's your supportive person? Who's mine? It's you, love. Oh, shocking. (laughs) Totally you. Like hardcore you. You keep me accountable Mm. to growing you have committed to our relationship and so my gosh you're committed to the connection Mm. we have Mm. Mm. like you're willing to have the hard conversations and invest the time Mm. into it and i think it really helps that we do things together my freedom value is very much freedom with not freedom from (laughs) yeah that's true Mm. it really is Mm. it's a freedom together Mm. Mm. it's our freedom Mm. not just your freedom yeah yeah And I think... As long as you're on board. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think you kick me out. No. If I'm really honest with myself, I don't think there's ever been a time when you have been in tune with your value of freedom Mm. and I've got in the way of it and I've been in line with my values. Mm, mm. It's generally because I'm scared. It's generally because I don't want to grow. Yeah. It's because I've disconnected from you. It's not because you're doing something crazy and stupid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like sometimes you do crazy things that are awesome. And (laughs) that's great. I think because your freedom is in a haphazard freedom, Mm, mm. it isn't a freedom from responsibility or Mm. freedom from connection or anything like that. When you go for those things, I've just learned that the best place for me to be is on board. Mm. And um, on the waka. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. So for me, you're not rewarding me for perfection. You're not like Mm. clapping me when I do something perfect or I try to be perfect. Mm. But you're getting really excited and celebrating progression and growth Mm. and development. Mm. I think it's really important for me. And I think you're really great at doing that. Really encouraging me to grow. You know me so well. You know when I'm not being my best self and that's really hard (laughs) but it's really good Mm. i think it's also important for me and i think we're both realizing this in the process of doing this actually at the moment that we both need room to fail Mm. Mm. when it needs to be okay for you to make mistakes and for me to not blame you (laughs) still growing on this one like i will always grow on this one be growing Mm -hmm. that's the whole point that's how growth works yeah always growing yep Stop growing, you're dead. <laughs> it's a lifelong thing. Well, and then you still have a tiny bit of growth because your fingernails and your hair will grow a little bit more, or quite oh. a bit more, after you, after you <laughs> perish. Day. Fun fact. <laughs> well, it's more because they're actually being pushed out by your skin <laughs> shrinking. But I think support for me looks like creating room for me to fail mm. and not trying to perfect and expect me to do things right. And actually when someone's being really critical or judgmental of my decisions and what I'm doing, it's not very supportive of the growth. It's also not helpful for connection. Well, it doesn't leave room for the growth. It doesn't leave room Mm. for the growth because I need the failure to grow. Mm. And you're absolutely right about the connection. 
because then they're not connecting with you they're not understanding you they're just trying to protect you or or more amorphously protect in general <laughs> i do feel like a lot of judgment and criticism comes from fear oh yeah i'm scared if you do that something bad will either happen to you or me mm-hmm. and so i'm going to try and stop you doing that by being judgmental and, and critiquing 100 percent. and i find that so unhelpful and i if i listen to that and i follow that then i'm out of alignment my mm-hmm. values because i need to take action, be okay with failing, lean into discomfort, mm-hmm. and that's the opposite of that. Yeah. Get curious. Really. Mm. Curiosity is really Curiosity huge. for the win. Oh, my gosh. I think, yeah, curiosity is definitely one of those values that stack under our main two. Yeah, what's well, an attitude or a mm. way Positive of approaching something stuff. really helps um, counter um, judgment. Yeah, totally. And supporting me looks like trusting me to follow my passion and try things yeah like we were talking about earlier and like you said without that the high probability of future blame right like even if it goes wrong kind of thing like Mm. but being safe from that to just try things that kind Mm. of attitude that kind of feel that vibe it's not like a loss of responsibility it's a loss of like how could you have not got it right the first time around. Exactly, that belief and perspective. It's not saying, okay, so you messed up and you do need to clean up this. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's fine. It's not like removing that, but it's not mm. like this expectation of getting it right the first time around. Yeah. Well, it's like, imagine if you're just about to uh, paint on a canvas, mm. right? Those two different perspectives, right? One where someone comes in and goes, oh, I can't believe you wasted all that paint. That is hideous. What have you done? Right. Mm, Versus like, oh, you're going to need to tidy up now because you've gotten some paint splattered about. Yeah. Like those have got extremely different feels to them. Yeah, totally. So the next one, what can you do as an act of self-compassion to support yourself Mm. and the hard work of living into your values? For me... I need to give myself permission to fail. Mm. I feel like I've been leaning into discomfort. Like I've recently given birth and I did that again without any, any sort of pain relief, Mm. including when I got the stitches done, which was quite fun to watch the look on the midwife's face when I said I wanted to do it without Mm. pain relief. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And her turn to the student and be like, this isn't normal. This is (laughs) not. (laughs) Almost constantly saying that about my birth, but it was, to lean into that discomfort and realize that I am so much more powerful and I can cope with so much more because I used to be so afraid of pain, so afraid of cold that I would avoid situations and even enjoyable things because of the fear of getting hurt or getting cold. And so to lean into those discomforts has actually been so freeing for Mm. me. And also like one of the funniest things I found recently with the cold exposure is when I step out of the shower after having a cold shower, I feel warm. Mm. But when I step out of a hot shower, I feel cold. Mm, I've noticed that myself. It's so weird. (laughs) It feels completely wrong, but it makes sense in the sense that the water is colder than the air outside. And so you step into the air and the air feels warm. And... But also your body's adapting. Yeah. It's generating more heat when you're in the cold shower. Better Um, circulation. yeah, Yeah, so it's all prepped and ready to go. And as you practice the cold therapy, it gets better and better at that. I mean, yeah. Wim Hof does that whole thing where he controls his breathing and then boosts his body temperature up so high he can stand in snow. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. And it's exciting to be doing that. 
I feel like I'm doing that really well, mm. but I need to give myself permission to do things where I could fail and get things wrong and actually lean into taking action and failing more mm. to learn more. Mm. Boost the learning. More learning. <laughs> because the more I'm growing, the happier I'll be. Get me some sweet, sweet failure. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but I think it's also about not even, I think maybe it's not even the permission to fail because I think failure is a label that yeah, is unhelpful. True. Permission to learn. Permission to learn, mm. whether it be through doing something well or doing something awkwardly, mm. trying things, mm. experimenting, getting curious, all those things that are the opposite of achievement. Mm. It's not achievement-based, it's journey, it's learning-based mm. stuff. It's being vulnerable. Mm. And that's what I need to give myself permission to be a learner, I mm. think, mm. rather than to have it all together. Yeah. The knower, I guess. <laughs> Not even knowing it's about being able to be perfect, I guess, but mm. have it all together. And I mm. need to be able to not do that anymore. Mm. And it was horrible being that person who had to be, to have it right the first time. It's maddening. And I think I avoided trying things or I stop it, stopped. I'd do something, I wouldn't be very good at it. And so I wouldn't do it again. And I wouldn't get the opportunity to develop skills. Mm. And life became really small and horrible when I was really out of alignment with my growth value. And I want to give myself permission to grow and to learn. Mm. Yeah. Nice. And for me, the uh, self-compassion act to, um, to support myself in the, the hard work of living in my values, it's actually another permission-based thing. It's permission to have multiple goes at something rather than have to get it right the first time. So mm. instead being like, nope, I can just try this and try it again. And that works just as well as another support, another person supporting me type thing. So that's a self-compassion thing that I can do. Um, and it's also something that, say, Becky can do as a shared perspective, sharing that she's okay with that, that I can go ahead and try something. And, and if it doesn't work out, then I can try it again, try another way. I loved how you talked about being at the top and there being <laughs> multiple hydro slides to go down. You've walked all the way up to the top of the hydro slide. I mean, it was a long way. And now you've got like 10 choices of like different hydro slides. If you just imagine that I haven't encountered something quite like that. Sometimes there's a few different choices, but not 10. But let's expand that out. Say you've got 10 <laughs> choices there and you're like, oh, like, well, I've come all this way. You know, I've got to pick the right one to go down. But if I just give myself permission to climb back up and have a go on another one, then I can just dive down one and enjoy the ride down. I'm not having to think, mm. not having to critique it and be like, hmm, not sure about the curves in this one and the flooring, you know, it's a bit bumpy or something. I better find there's another one. Still, I can just enjoy it. I can just go mm. down it and I can dive into action. I can get going. I'm yeah. not frozen at the top with indecision. And I think relationally because some of these things that you're committing to are quite big things it's important for me to be open to you giving having attempts at things mm, mm. yeah and i think that's it's been really exciting to see as i've given you more opportunities but you also go faster like when you can do mm. it again yeah you jump in mm. and then you have time to do another one yeah. whereas if you spent three weeks or maybe even three months researching mm. something before mm. you gave something a try mm -hmm then you don't have the same time to do another yeah. try. And there's two other factors to do with the actual learning itself, right, and the research, in that, one, you remember things a lot better when you're learning about it while doing it, right? 
because then your brain's able to apply it to a, an actual narrative goings mm. on. And so it's going to remember it because it's in practical terms. But the other factor is your learning is going to be much more focused and practical because you're like, right, I need to learn this thing right now because I'm doing it and I need to learn about it. An it's example not of that mm. was when you started the business and you had four weeks. <laughs> So you may got made redundant and then you have four weeks to open up our practice. I even did the the hardest bit of research that I always hated, which is asking people. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I'll just do people-less research on the internet. That's much easier. But no, actually calling people, talking to people, coming up with things with yeah. people, signing things to other people. Right, you're sorting this bit and you're sorting that bit. And it's all go, 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 go. Yeah. But mm. actually having that restriction of time. Mm, yeah helps to actually just jump in and do it. And then you learn how you go. I remember sitting at the reception desk when somebody came up who'd had an appointment and asked for an invoice. They're like, can I have an invoice? And I was like, yes, you can. As soon as, I will as, email that to you. As soon as I escape from this <laughs> desk that, that I can't get to, that winds up and down, but the winding up mechanism has stopped working and I'm trapped under it. <laughs> it was so funny. It was like this mini desk because it was way too low. Uh, but anyway, I was going to figure out how to do an invoice, but I was just like, yep, I will email that to you and I will figure out how to do that before I email that to you. Yep, solid. But it was that learning process, which was so great to be mm. able to do it that way. Well, can you tell us about some early warning signs that tell you that you're living outside your values? When I'm blaming others, trying to control them, mm -hmm. rather than focusing on my inward journey, and taking responsibility for growing. Mm. It's that, I think I mentioned it earlier, the externalizing. When I focus on everyone else being the problem, being the cause, it's very much a victimhood, mm. I think. When I get into that victim mentality, everyone is doing things that are hurting me, I'm powerless, then that's when I get out of alignment mm. with my value of growth, especially. And when that happens... I'm just, I'm not a nice person to be around. I get really scary. Mm. When I'm out of alignment with growth, I'm actually terrible. How else are you going to control people and force them to do things <laughs> other than be really aggressive and scare them into it? I especially hate that when it's to do with the kids. Mm -hmm. When I'm out of alignment with my values with our kids and I'm trying to control them and I get scary and my son is scared of me and I can see he's scared of me. I mm. hate that. Recently, I've been really like thinking to myself, I want to grow as a parent. I want to grow so that I am not using my anger to try and just control my kids, but that I find more creative. I get curious about why they're doing things, mm. not just getting angry because they have, and get creative about how to solve problems. Because when I am not in that angry place, I have amazing creativity when it comes to parenting. Mm. You know, there was one time where Maximus wouldn't put his shoes on at work. We we're just about to leave the office and he'd been dropped off. Mm. He'd taken his shoes off and you were trying to get his shoes on. And it was just a mission. And I looked at his feet and I was like, we need a reason he mm. will want mm. to do this. Looked at his feet. He was wearing his Spider-Man socks. And I was like, those are his favorite socks. And I said to him, Maximus, if you don't put your shoes on and we walk outside, you might get holes in your socks, wear them down, and then, then we'd have to get rid of your Spider-Man socks. And my gosh, he got his shoes on fast <laughs> after that. Like, he was like, okay. It was interesting. Instead of just getting angry and yelling mm. at him, mm. getting creative mm. 
getting curious mm. about what might motivate him mm. rather than what I want. I think that's so important. And yeah, so definitely blaming and controlling others is slippery slope for me. What about yeah. you? What's your slippery slope, mister? Right. Oh, well, it's more warning signs. Oh, sorry. So yeah. Early warning indicators or signs. Yeah. Yes. So things that I notice that I'll be spending more time researching than taking action and I'll be feeling more anxious than engaged. I can notice those things and that tells me I'm outside my values. Mm, I know. I feel that from you. When you mm. come to me with something, if you're mm. in an anxious energy, that's mm. not when I'm going to be jumping on board mm. because you're not in your freedom. Mm. You're fearful. Mm. It's when you come to me without anxiety, with passion, mm. Well, when I'm fearful, I'm usually thinking I've got something I don't want to happen. Mm. Whereas the opposite when I'm in my values is there is something I want to happen. Mm. (laughs) I hate it when you drag me into your research. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I can't hold all of this, especially with my dyslexia. Prepare to be bogged down. (laughs) Here is all of the information. And I'm just like, what do you want to do? Because we'll just do that. (laughs) Can you just like feel this out and then I'm on board? It's basically like that. Mm. I do, it has been good, like, non-fearful learning, Mm, mm. I do like. Mm, Like, mm. we're learning about cryptocurrency at the moment, which is really (laughs) interesting. And it's this learning, it's some taking some action and Mm -hmm. trying some stuff, Mm. spending some money that we can lose, Mm -hmm. and that be okay. Mm. Failure's creating room for failure, (laughs) and that's okay. That helps you um, take action and do better learning. Mm. But that's been good for learning and that's mm. leaning into growth for me. But the overanalyzing, the, I don't know if you want me to say this, but <laughs> when you ask me, it's interesting, sometimes you'll ask me and I always think that you're asking me to make a decision about it, mm. that you're just trying to involve me. Mm. But yeah. it sounds like, what should we do? No, I always find that hard. I always misunderstand. I think it's because you don't... And then I'm like, that's not what I said. I wasn't asking (laughs) you to make a decision. I was asking what you think. But you seem to get that feel from it. So whether Mm. I'm promoting that feel or whether that's your interpretation, I'm not sure. But yes, that does seem to happen often. But maybe it's actually in alignment with your freedom together. Mm. That you're not just running off by yourself to do something. You want me to be involved. That's generally what I can pick up on from self-insight of my Mm. motivations is I'm like... Rather than, Becky, we're doing this. It's, Becky, what do you think of this? Like, I'm involving you yeah. in it. I think when there's a bit of anxiety, sometimes it can be a bit of, what should we that. do? I've done the research. Mm. You know, mm. I want to research more type mm. thing. Mm. Here are all the options. What mm. should we do? When it starts falling into trying to get permission and a little bit of that anxiety, mm. and I think you're in alignment when it's involved me, like mm. involve me in the decision, mm. not so much when it falls into trying to get... When I feel like I'm trying to figure things out and I'm involving you in that, because that's part of my thinking brain, mm. I suppose. Whereas it would sound quite different if I was involving you in my passion, intuition side of things. Yeah, That would, that would sound quite different in a conversation. Mm. And it's funny because I think with that, then I can add my flavor which can often, is usually an enhancement rather than like Mm. a divergence. Mm -mm. But it doesn't feel the same. Mm. Okay, last one. What does it feel like when you're living in your values? Well, for me, I feel passionate and fulfilled. 
so I can notice those feelings. And, and what I'm doing is I'm progressing towards goals that are in line with the values. So, so generally in line with that freedom value, moving along towards those. And it you, feels great. You light up. <laughs> when you're getting progression and you're moving, you're creating more and more freedom in your life. Mm. Like I can see it in you. It just mm. it's like beams out of you. And that's why I love getting on board with these things and I don't want to get in the way. It's because I see who you are when you're getting that progression. And whenever I see you getting stuck and bogged down and there isn't that progress, that's when I'm like, we need to make a change. Mm. We need to do something differently. Mm -hmm. How about you? For me, it feels amazing when I'm in line with my values Mm. and I'm living in them. It feels freeing. And it feels like life is a game, mm. actually, especially with the growth one, I'm thinking. I feel like I can play and grow and level up. So when I'm living into my values, it feels amazing. It feels like I'm free and it feels like life is a game. Mm. It's like I can play, I can try things, I can grow, I can level up, mm-hmm. I can accumulate. <laughs> And it feels fun. Life actually feels fun. The times where I've been most in alignment, especially with my growth value, I have been like, I love my life. Mm. Like when I'm growing and developing and trying new things and taking action, I love my life. And it's the complete opposite of actually when I was really deep in the anxiety and the depression. I did not love my life. Life felt awful. It felt like a struggle. It didn't feel worth living. Mm. And being in my values feels like that. And I think anxiety so often gets in the way of us living in our values. Mm. We avoid doing the things that actually are important to us. And so that's why it's so important to first manage the anxiety, but then to challenge it and to move through it and to learn to live more in alignment with our values so that we can really love our life. And I don't know if you listening have ever experienced a time, maybe you have where you really loved your life. But maybe at the moment, anxiety is getting in the way or you have times where it gets in the way and you don't love your life. And I just really encourage you to take some time and look into this and to really look at what is important to you and use that as fuel and motivation to do the work you need to do with the anxiety because it is so worth it. Mm. Life is so much better when anxiety is in our motivation and our our guiding light but our values are absolutely thank you for listening to the anxiety specialist podcast that's it for this week's episode if you found this episode helpful make sure to click the follow button and please do share this with your family and friends and don't forget to follow us on facebook or instagram that's at anxiety specialists and if you're interested to learn how you can live an anxiety-free life, you can get our epic anxiety reducer guide absolutely free so you can get started right away on getting your anxiety back down. Just grab the link in the show notes. Feel free to message us and let us know what you'd like to learn next. I'm your host, Michael Burrows. And I'm Becky Burrows. And we're going to be back next week with more tips, strategies, and insights so you can get the anxiety-free life you deserve.